Welcome to Coaching and Cocktails, the podcast. Here we are. Here we are. Coaching and Cocktails, the podcast. It is. I'm Brandy. I'm Tina. And that's all true. You're, you're welcome. We promise we'll never lie to you. <laughs> Ever. Anyway, so this is exciting. Okay. We are I'm going, excited. Yes. And I think we've alluded to this along the way, but we are going to launch a new docuseries, reality series, something to that effect. But this is our first episode of actually following a client all the way through the process. So what you guys are about to hear is our center stage client who is literally going street to stage. And you're going to get to hear us do our intake meeting live. Yeah. I'm excited because this is a way for us to show. This is know, how the, the sausage general, is made. Right, the, this is, yeah, we're showing you how the sausage <laughs> is made for better, for better or worse term. Um, you know, you get to kind of see the inner workings of how, you know, how we might talk to individual clients. Um, and it's like real raw shit, right? Like it's not yeah. just like, Oh, I'm going to hire you guys. are going to give me some macros. Like there's some deep shit yep. in this. So, um, I think it really does highlight, yep. um, really well what, uh, what we do as coaches. Yep. So, so I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, one other quick piece of clarity on this, this client has agreed to go through this process with us and be completely transparent. So you are hearing the raw work that we're doing. It is the normal work. We just recorded it. Right. And it's not, you know, there's nothing scripted about it. Nothing at planned all. ahead of time. It's nope. real check-ins. Yeah, you know, I'm we, learning everything as you are. Right. So we, you know, we have people ask all the time, like, well, what is a check-in or, you yeah. know, what does this even look like? And what do you and, guys do? Yeah. And this is really going to uh, give some insight into yeah. that. So, so pretty exciting. So here we go. Have a listen. It. Hello. Hello. So this is super exciting. Well, first of all, it's really exciting because we got the red light on that I think means that this is recording. So that's a step in the right direction. But I'm really excited to launch this uh, project that we're doing. And I'm sure we, Tina and I probably just talked about it, so we don't need to get into it in depth. But uh, I just want to thank you. Thank you for being willing to go on this journey publicly to not only show people what the process is, what our process is as far as our coaching, but to let people experience the entire coaching fitness journey through you. So I want to thank you for doing that. Absolutely. Thank you for allowing me this opportunity. So who are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, my name is Gloria Vanderbilt. Yeah. <laughs> I think I actually think she just died, so that's weird. <laughs> that was the first name I could think of. <laughs> um, I am uh, just a girl, uh, Tiffany Flores. That is me. So, full disclosure, obviously, we're sisters, but in this whoa, 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 huh? Yeah. So, but in this capacity. Uh, what we're, we're doing this project together and me as your coach and you as a client of center stage. So I think to really set this up, this is our first formal intake conversation. And in any of our new clients, this is the first stepping stone after we get your application is we sit down with that application, that intake form and really go over it top to bottom. As a coach, what I'm looking for is to see who you are, what your goals are, 
where we're going to go, what the red flags are, what the strengths are, all of those kind of things. And as a coach, then my next step is to come back and talk to you about that. Sometimes it's gathering a little more information. Sometimes it's clarifying things in a little more detail. Sometimes it's just level setting. You know, oftentimes in the intake, people are a lot harder on themselves than they should be or unrealistic or haven't really boiled down their goals. So the intake process that everybody's going to listen to us go through right now is the absolute first step in any sort of client coaching relationship. And actually, in my opinion, kind of the first step for any setting forth any type of major goal project, right? You have to start with a baseline of where am I and where do I want to go from here? So let's just start really at the beginning. Obviously, Tiffany's your name, you know that, but can you kind of talk, talk through um, a little bit of the particulars of who you are, you know, age, all those kind of things, lifestyle, job, just the basics of what your life looks like. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we are sisters, uh, but so that the listeners uh, understand the situation, uh, we're not identical. <laughs> <laughs> That's also weird because we'd be we're three years apart. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> What I mean by that is a lot of times when you think about families and sisters and you think, okay, well, you know, Tiffany's probably really into fitness too, and probably on the same track as Brandy. And, um, no, (laughs) the answer is no, I have been chasing fitness my whole life. Um, as you know, trying to use Brandy as an example, but, um, the, the truth of it is I have tried and failed, tried and failed, tried and failed. Um, and I am now at another part of my life where, um, I, I need to try something new, you know, that definition of insanity that we always Mm -hmm. see all the time, you know, uh, doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting, um, different results. It's, it's not working. Uh, so this is me, I'm 40, um, and it's time to change what I've been doing that has made me try and fail my whole life. So, um, I, you know, I've struggled with weight probably since, since puberty. Um, I have, I'm not small. I'm not petite at all. Um, I'm only five, five and a half, but I'm, I'm big. I'm a bigger girl. I I have a size 11, uh, shoes and, and my hands are probably bigger than your husband's. Uh, (laughs) I'm just a big girl. And so, you know, comparing myself to people growing up, I've always felt huge. I've always had this mindset in my head that I'm big and I'm always going to be big. And in my head, that correlated with fat and bad. And so I think for many, many years, um, and, and even now, I'm battling this idea that my size means I'm fat. My size means that I uh, am not as good as anybody else. And so that has kind of uh, made me um, become that, you know? I thought it into existence many, many times. <clears throat> so right now, I am 237.5 pounds, um, and that is too big for a five, five and a half frame, no matter how big my frame is, it's not healthy. And that's kind of my mindset now is that, um, this isn't about looks anymore. 
I'm 40. And like Brandy says, you know, you have a superpower once you hit 40. (laughs) Like who cares what you look like anymore? I don't care what I look like anymore. Um, This journey is now about finding myself, finding my self-confidence, my self-worth and staying alive. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to stay alive as long as I can. I, I had kids at a young age. Um, so I'm looking at in two years, I'm going to be an empty nester. Um, and I want to be able to live life to my fullest, uh, be able to still support, you know, my older kids. And then I'm going to have grandkids. And I, I want to be that grandma who, you know, is chasing after the soccer ball and, and pushing my grandkids on the swings. And I want to be completely active and live my life, um, to its fullest. And that's going to take, uh, being healthy and becoming a healthy weight. Um, I have crash dieted so many times. I can't even tell you how many times and I've been semi successful with that. Well, it doesn't work anymore. You know, I'm (laughs) turning 40. It's like a switch got flipped and, and now I, I can't drop 30 pounds in 25 days. Like I used to be able to do with my crash dieting and, and uh, nor is that okay. Um, but the, the smallest I've ever gotten down to was 145. Um, that was when I was 17. And I literally did do that by starving myself and by over-exercising a ridiculous amount. And of course it, it came back. Um, and I bounced up back up to, I think 190. Um, and then I, uh, the next time that I, uh, got down to a, a lower weight was in 2012 when I ran my first half marathon um, and I got down to 178. But of course, the minute I stopped running, it got right back up again. And I seem to always bounce up into the 230s. That's like where my body likes to be. I have gotten all the way up to 265. Um, that was in my mid 30s. Just a couple of years ago, 2018, I trained for a full marathon, got all the way down to 182. And then after that, here I am again, back up to 237. Uh, so it's that constant yo-yo. Um, obviously, if you're running so much because you're training for a marathon, you're going to lose weight. But if you don't have the nutrition part in there as well, or if you don't have the correct mindset, it's not going to stick. And I guess that's where I'm at right now is I need, I need help. I'm finally at the point where I'm, I'm no longer saying I know everything. I'm no longer... Uh, trying to just be prideful and, you know, hide things. I'm now at the point where I need help and I'm asking for help. Um, And it's going to suck. And it it sucks to air all your skeletons out of your closet and and be completely honest uh, with your habits and and the things that you're doing to harm yourself. But um, I'm ready for that because that's the only thing that's going to change this at this point. Well, I think a lot of people are probably listening to this being like, oh, hallelujah, hell yes, I get all of that, I understand it. And you know, you I mean, you hit on just probably a billion things for a lot of people, but you know, your last point of shame and shame being something obviously culturally and culturally as women that is inbred in us to be ashamed and hide things that we can't do, right? It's, it's not a social norm to be like, well, I don't get this or I'm struggling with this. Help me. 
it's a social norm to be like, I'm not perfect, therefore I'm bad, therefore I'm just going to harm myself in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, as you told your story, I work with endless amounts of clients that have such a similar story. And, and I think everybody comes to it feeling like they're the only ones, right? And that's why, I mean, I really appreciate that you're willing to do this because I can say 1 million times to 1 million people, you're not the only one. Like, I mean, more people feel like you and have done this and gone down this road, this rocky road, but to hear it out of somebody else's you know, firsthand account, I think is just so life changing, you know, and we highlight a lot of things on our podcast that are, you know, athletes working at the extreme level of fitness, but what people don't understand is most people started where, where you are. Right. And so it's, it's uncomfortable, but it's very common. Well, that, that's what has always stopped me from wanting to start is because I think in my head, oh, you know, once I, once I lose 30 pounds, then I'll ask for help. Mm-hmm. Once I get to a point where it's not embarrassing anymore, then I'll let somebody know the truth because mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to start where I am right now. Yeah. But it, it's, you know, I always talk about, um, I, I'm a behavior teacher and so I have to teach kids how to change their behaviors. And you don't start at the top, you start at the bottom, you start at the source, you start at, you know, where you are at the moment. You don't say, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to start writing an essay as soon as I know how to, you know, write a, um, you know, write a book. No, you don't do it backwards. You start at a sentence and then a paragraph and then three paragraphs and then an essay. Mm -hmm. And it has to be that way for any behavior change, anything that you're trying to change. And, you know, the other part that's hard is that I, I am a behavior teacher, so I shouldn't have these behaviors. I should know how to fix this stuff. You know, I do this for a living, but the, the truth is you can't always do for yourself as you can do for others and looking at yourself and, and, uh, you know, asking for that, that assistance, it is big. Um, oh, and yeah. it, it's embarrassing. Um, you know, but you have to, you know, humble yourself for a minute if you want to get better. And I have this fear of, of failure for sure as well. That's out there. And that, that's probably the biggest thing that has stopped me. Um, all these years is this fear of failure. I don't want to fail. And this is hard. And this is probably something that is the hardest thing for me in my whole life. Mm-hmm. So you know, I don't want to fail, but you know what, <laughs> you know, it's, it's time. Well, let me throw, just throw an idea out here for you to, to chew on over the next, however long, you know, I mean, we're on probably a one to two year journey here, but failure and quitting are two very, very different things. And that's really what you said. Like, I'm afraid to fail, fail. Therefore I'm not going to start is such a common theme Again, I think it's more common in women, but failure is fantastic, right? I have clients that fail all the time. I fail on the regular. Failure means you got on the field, you tried to play the game, you maybe didn't get the touchdown. I'm watching football, so that all made sense to me, (laughs) right? Failure means you got out there, you did your best, you learned something, you didn't win, 
but now you have some more skills, data, information, fortitude to go in the game next time. Quitting means you sat on the bench and thought of 150,000 fucking reasons why you can't, won't, and shouldn't tie, you know, tie your shoes and get in the game. So failure and quitting to me are very different. I will never get upset with somebody who fails. You know, if I, if I have a client that's like, listen, you, you prescribed this plan this week and I tried, but then this happened. So I adjusted this way and we got 75% of the way there, not hundred. Fine. I mean, that's great. So we use that data, we tweak, we make it happen. The difference is quitting when somebody says, well, you told me to do X, Y, and Z, and that was hard, and I was busy, and it's Tuesday, and my toenail hurts, and I don't have to, and I don't want to, and fuck you. That's mm-hmm. quitting, right? And there's nothing, like, there's nothing we can do with that. So I, don't want, I, I want you to begin to think of failure as not a bad thing, right? Quitting is very bad. <laughs> Quitting is bad. Quitting's not okay. Failure, fuck it. You know, I, I fail on a regular basis. But you get stronger, you get better, you learn more every time. If you could knock the ball out of the park every time, then, you know, none of us would be here right now. Right. So, sorry, mini lecture on that that just, I think that that's such an important jumping off point. It absolutely is. I mean, I teach my students all the time that that mistakes are just your stepping stones to success. Like, you cannot learn unless you make a mistake. Mm -hmm. That's how our brains are wired. Happy accidents, right? Exactly, exactly. But the quitting, for me is definitely this avoidance, you know, it's Mm -hmm. the runaway avoid. If I can't see it, it's not happening Mm -hmm. because that hurts less. You know, it hurts less than, than tackling the problems head on for sure. And I think that's where people quit is they're like, they put the blinders on and they just want to be over it. Yeah. You know, I, I had a client the other day who we were at the point where she's like, well, this is really hard and I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. So maybe I should take a break. And I was like, well, that's the only way I can guarantee that you're not going to get where you need to go, right? Like when the path is the rockiest, that's not the time that I say, well, go at it by yourself, right? That's the time when the path is the rockiest, that's the time that you need somebody the most. Yeah. Um, And that's not the time to quit. And the more somebody fights me to quit and is in a bad place, the more I'm probably going to push them to stay. Uh, So anyway, super good information. And I want to highlight the fact, and you said it, but I want to highlight the fact you ran a marathon, right? Like, so you have a fitness background, but talk to me the last year, how frequently would you say that you work out? The last year? Yeah. Oh my God. I haven't worked out at all the last year. Then, you know, just doing random things with my kids, going on walks. Um, nothing that was specifically, hey, I'm going to get up and, and go work out. Okay. That's good. That's important, right? That's important information. Um, and then nutrition-wise, the last year, you haven't really been logging. You haven't been trying to diet. You haven't been – you've just been living your best life. I've just okay. been living my best life. So, you know, that's not all bad, right? You're starting from a very clean slate. So that's, that's not all bad right? Um, The other big aspect, obviously, so we have fitness and nutrition, and I can give you all those plans and scientifically and on paper, they would all work. However, we have this thing called life. And and life and lifestyle is what derails people 99% of the time. 
you know, until we're in the deep, dark throes of prep, you know, at that point, maybe training and nutrition can literally derail somebody, but it's a long time before you get there. Typically, the training and nutrition requirements are very basic. It is all the other noise that overwhelms it. So one of the most important things for me as I start with a client is to really get a sense of your lifestyle and what a normal day in the life looks like to you. So what are those things? (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. You just want me to tell you what my day looks like? Yeah. Like what's, what's a normal, normal average, not like your super craziest day and not your super laziest day. Like what's a pretty average day for you? Pretty average day for me is, um, well, I have to be at work by 7.30. So on an average day, my alarm is usually going off at at 6.30 and I'm hitting snooze and snooze and snooze until about seven o'clock when I realize I have to be at work in a half an hour. And then I jump out of bed and take a quick shower, brush my teeth, uh, hop in the car. I only work three minutes away from my house, but I'm all Everybody in the DC area is crying right now hearing (laughs) Well, listen, I used to be um, about 45 seconds from work. <laughs> that doesn't help. That doesn't help people hate you less. <laughs> now my commute is three minutes. It is brutal. This And the Spokane Valley traffic in the morning is just... just you have to like drive around a goat and a cow oh, and God. a paper boy. <laughs> it takes me longer to get from my house down the hill to the main road than from- <laughs> road to my work. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. I guess I told that story to kind of give you an idea that I'm, I'm usually, I'm usually in a hurry. I'm usually uh, mismanaging my time big time. Um, you know, COVID has thrown us for a loop because it used to be that I I'd have to get the kids up too and, 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 uh, you know, get them semi ready for school. They're old. And I probably shouldn't be doing that anymore, but, um, right. So you, you have one gone into college and then two old, older teenagers. Yeah. So, um, well, we have a total of eight people living in the house. Um, I tend to collect humans. That's another part of my lifestyle that, you know, causes an issue with what I do every day. So there's eight people, but only three of those were biologically created, uh, by me. And one of them uh, is in college most of the time. So she's home right now because it's a, um, a, a break, but um, she is you know, in Seattle. So I have a 15 and a half year old and a 17 year old that are biologically mine that I am still uh, raising. And then we have a, uh, my husband has an 18 year old and a 25 year old that lives here. And then um, we also have um, a, a foster uh, kiddo living with us right now. So, uh, there's a lot of people (laughs) that I like to take care of, uh, daily, but I only have the other, the two that are in high school right now that are biologically mine and and possibility. Um, so back to my typical day, I'm usually in a hurry, get to work. Um, I work with kids all day, kids with special needs, um, mental health issues, behavioral issues, Um, and then, uh, when I come home from work, it's, well, my, technically my work day ends at three, but I never leave there before four 30 or five. That's just the life of a teacher. Um, I come home, I'm usually exhausted. I'm usually starving. 
because I haven't eaten anything all day. Um, if I have eaten something, it's, you know, probably a cliff bar or, or something just to tide me over until I can make it home. But then I eat whatever we have here at home. Um, cause I'm starving because I'm really, really hungry. So, uh, then it's really, and this is embarrassing, but I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be real. Then it's just sit in front of the TV, watch Netflix. You know, it, it gets my mind off of all the stress from work. It, uh, I'm tired. I'm hungry. I, I eat or watch Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, <laughs> and then live I, in the dream. <laughs> right? And then I, I go to bed um, way too late, sometimes, you know, 11, 12 o'clock. And I, I like to read before bed. Um, so then I'm up even longer. And then that just starts the perpetual cycle of then, uh, then I'm getting up late because I'm hitting snooze on the alarm. And the, the next day is the same old thing, Groundhog's Day, over and mm-hmm. over and over again. So, you know, I'm going to go ahead and make a leap and say because of that, and because of a lot of things, you spend most of your life feeling very overwhelmed and stressed out and in a rush and running and drained of energy, not only drained of energy because of the lack of nutrition, but drained of energy because you're not getting adequate sleep. And then that, of course, like this is all symbiotic, right? And then that increases your stress, right? And then your stress, it's so it's just a circular issue of stress and lack of sleep and I don't chicken or egg, then it affects your nutrition, which then also makes all of that worse. Absolutely. Um, so that all makes a, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, again, like, thanks for being transparent about it because a lot of people probably share that, right? The awesome news is I can tell, I can tell you with almost complete confidence that Once these things start to break free and change, that whole picture changes very quickly. Once you feel better, you do better, then you feel better, then you do better. And it just, it's a snowball effect of improvement. Um, Because a lot of probably the crappy way that you're feeling right now are not things that you can put your finger on. It's just kind of this, this overwhelming issue of lifestyle, like we talked about. And that's why it's important because, you know, without me knowing that knowledge, I can say, okay, here's your training plan and here's your nutrition and give you some, if I give you something that you can't even begin to implement because you're too tired, stressed out, overwhelmed, distracted, then it does neither of us any good. So it, it all matters. And it also doesn't help any of us if I give you programming that is just going to increase the stress and the exhaustion. So that's why it's very important to first fix that, right? For, we have to build the house on a solid foundation. Otherwise, I guess as, you, as you've kind of learned, the house keeps falling down. Yeah. So first we fix the, fix the foundation. So that's all important. And then the other, the other major thing, if you've listened to even one of our podcasts ever, is water intake. What's your water intake like? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so again, being completely transparent, I don't drink water. I have, unless it's in my coffee or it's in a diet soda, (laughs) um, it's not happening. I, I can't tell you the last time I just went to the sink and got some water or, you know, purposefully put water in my system. Yeah. I mean, and like, you know, that makes baby Jesus cry, right? Oh yeah. Well, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Absolutely. And, and just thinking about that, like, how ridiculous is that? Like, how am I, how am I still alive? <laughs> that is working. Well, and then, you know, like all those, yes. But then dehydration, so dehydration is, or hydration is so important because dehydration mimics hunger. And then it also obviously makes you incredibly tired, right? Fatigued. Because yeah, you're dying. You're di- it adds to depression. <laughs> it adds to anxiety. It is just, I mean, we have multiple podcasts just talking about water. It is the low hanging fruit that, you know, there's no, you can't argue with me about it. Right. Although I have had people say like, I refuse to drink water. And that's one of those where I'm like, okay, what do you, I can't help you, (laughs) but that's such a low hanging fruit. So again, like, well, you probably feel like you're in a confessional right now. What I'm really seeing is absolute blank slate, right? Like everything can be improved, which is great. We don't have to undo any major things, right? You're not over-exercising. You're not trying to eat carb-free. You're not like there's, right? It's a blank slate of we can just change things from here. It is. I probably should disclose though, especially since you just brought up that, you know, water intake can lead to all these issues and depression and anxiety. So (laughs) a a good note for maybe people to, or for you to know is that I am diagnosed with depression. Mm -hmm. I am currently on uh, medications for depression and anxiety. Um, So, you know, that absolutely is something that's going on with me as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and fantastic, right? Like um, mental health is so important and I think that, again, as women, for whatever reason, there's a lot of shame sometimes around that. However, I can tell you that almost every client I have is in the same situation, right? And, and rightly so. And most pe- clients who come to me and are not already in some sort of treatment <laughs> end up in treatment by the end. <laughs> That's not what I meant. What does that say? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, but, you know, they become aware of, you know, it's okay like mental health is just another aspect of health, right? So if if you had a broken arm, you'd go to the doctor. If you had cancer, you'd go to the doctor. If you're, you know, if your mental health needs some attention, you go to the doctor, yeah. right? So, I mean, that's all great. And by no stretch of the imagination is that at all a negative. That is 100% a positive. So... Here's the big question. Talk to me about what you see your goals as, are, as, are, as. (laughs) Well, I mean, my ultimate goal is to get to a a healthy, sustainable weight, um, to no longer have these ups and downs. Mm -hmm. I I want, I'm not looking to be, you know, the hottest girl on the block. You know, I, that's, that those days are far behind me. Um, I'm looking to be healthy. I want to be strong. Um, I, I do want to get to a point where I love myself. And I think that is going to be a a big, um, turning point in so many aspects of my life. Uh, and I would like to get up on stage one day and no matter what my body looks like, 
be proud of it mm-hmm. and be like, hey, you know what? I am the person inside of this body. That's what matters. Um, but look what I did. Look, mm-hmm. I have control over this trivial thing. You know, I, we need our bodies, obviously. Right. <laughs> but your body isn't you. Your body is the the mechanism that allows you to live in this world. But I I don't want to have to, every day I look in the mirror, that dictates how I feel about myself. Mm-hmm. If that's off my plate, mm-hmm. how many more things could I do with that energy in that time? Right. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree with all of that. And that's all very, very, very achievable. So with that, what would you say, anything outside of what we talked about, what would you say is your biggest challenge or the number one thing that you're, you're worried about? Practically speaking. Practically speaking. Okay. So again, I'm going to talk about that, that idea of failure. Um, you know, I, I don't like to not do things well and and my pride gets in the way. And there's a lot of things that I'm super, super good at, like taking care of humans. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so when I want to feel good about myself, I do the things I'm good at doing. Uh, When I feel, want to feel bad about myself, uh, I it's generally because I'm failing at something or in my mind, I'm failing at something. And so um, one of the biggest fears is that I'm going to get, you know, three months into this and I, I don't, I don't want to quit. I don't want to stop, but I have such a track record of doing these things um, that I'm worried that something's going to happen in my life. And I'm going to prioritize that over prioritizing myself. And then it is going to end up in a failure. So what would be one of those things? Give me a, for example, Um, for example, uh, um, <laughs> I adopt more children. <laughs> well, I mean, but I think that's realistic, right? Like if, if the people collecting, as you've said, is a way for you to create an excuse as to why you don't have to do what you have to do, those are things that you can, those are boundaries that you can establish right now. Right. So just like an alcoholic, I mean, I'm not equating the same, but the same kind of thing. If an alcoholic's clean and they know, well, three months from now, I might go to my brother's wedding and fall off the wagon. then it's making a plan now on how that's not going to happen. Yeah. It's hard for me when it, when it comes to helping other people. Um, but there are, I know there are other ways I can help people Mm -hmm. that's not enabling them. That's not, um, giving them like all of me. Um, it, it's just a matter of learning that. Like I said uh, earlier, and I've been a mom since I was 19 years old, basically with my, uh, I, I have stepdaughter as well. That's uh, in her twenties um, that I basically raised and then had Tori at, at 21 and then had Riker at 22 and then had Xander at 23. And so I've been a mom for so long. And in the beginning, it is about giving your all to them and putting yourself aside to, you know, get up in the middle of the night and um, do all the things that you have to do for those kids. And it's like, I never really grew out of that. I have this mindset still 
um, that my life is for them is for what can I do for others? And, and it's killing me. (laughs) So I, I need to learn that balance of what can I do for others at the same time? What can I do for myself so I can be better at giving to others? Because I, yeah, I give to others, but sometimes it's, it's, you know, 35% of what I could be giving if I feel better. Right. Absolutely. Right, right, right. Um, you know, and it, it just becomes um, not productive for everybody, right? right? It becomes unhealthy and unhealthy for everybody. So I won't put pressure on you right here, but here's something I want you to think about. I would like you to think about making a one-year commitment to not get yourself into any of those situations. So we're not saying forever, right? But a one-year commitment to not making any of those kind of commitments that are going to detract from your own personal health and journey. And you know what those are, right? Like I'm, I'm not going to be your keeper on that. And I know that's probably scary for you, right? Because that's your out. When this shit gets hard, you can go let a homeless person move in and then you have your excuse to stop doing this. <laughs> but what if we tried something different for one year? And just yeah. see. Just, you know, you just, just see, this might feel better and this might be healthier for everybody or it might not, but we don't know unless we try it. Um, so I think that's all really important, important stuff. Anything else that you're, you know, as you talk through this, you're like, this is going to be a major tripping stone. Oh, well, and it's okay if there's no, if everything else sounds like, yeah, everything else is in play. Let's give it a shot. That's totally fine. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, knowing me and honestly, it's, it's just what I give to others and what I give to my job exhausts me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't have limits and I don't have boundaries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I need to develop those and put those into place um, I obviously can't quit my job. I obviously can't quit my kids. Um, so I need to find out how to put those those boundaries in place that are going to allow me to still, uh, you know, be a teacher, still be a mom, still work with kids with significant um, issues that just drain the life out of you, but then come home and give time to myself as well. because. I'm important too. Mm-hmm. So I need to be able to figure that out. So that in terms of being derailed, it's usually my exhaustion. Um, it's usually I'm just so overwhelmed, so stressed that the thought of doing anything is too overwhelming. So I shut down. And that makes and a lot of sense. Shut down and watch Netflix. <laughs> right. But I mean, that makes a lot of sense, right? That's again, not uncommon, but just because it's not uncommon doesn't mean that it's the best thing for you. So here's something else I want to try for the next few weeks. And then let's talk about it. You can do this any way you want. If you want a notebook, I make notes on my phone, but what I want you to do is just make a note. I don't want you to problem solve, but I just want you to make a note every time you come up against something that you feel like you need to develop a boundary for. Just make a note. You don't have to fix it in a moment. You don't even have to think about it. Just write it down. And those are things that we can process later. 
get it out of your head, get it on paper or, or your phone or whatever. And then we can start to work through those. Um, cause it all matters, right? This is all relevant. And like I said a minute ago, it's not, it's not getting you to eat X amount of calories and do X amount of working out. That's the problem. It's the other things, the other habits, thoughts, lifestyle that overcomes that. So the training and nutrition actually becomes secondary to being able to clear the space. And that's kind of how I look at it. We're just clearing the space to implement the plan, right? We're just picking up the floor to find it. Right. So, and it should, and it, this should not be something that adds to your overwhelm, feeling overwhelmed. So everything's baby steps, everything's positive change and everything that we do pretty much throughout this until, until we're into prep, right? Contest prep is different, right? There's, there you're asked to do extreme things. But up until that point, everything that we're going to do are things that you can sustain easily the rest of your life. It's nothing hard. It's nothing extreme. It's nothing unmanageable. It's basic lifestyle skills. And you know, I think you're going to find through this process that a lot of working on the training nutrition brings light to a lot of the other I don't say problems, but the other things going on in your life and vice versa. It's all one big picture. So this is all really great stuff. And again, like, thank you for being really, really transparent about it. I know that's not fun, but it, it kind of is. I mean, I hope it was a little cathartic. No, it, it is nice to be able to just say, okay, bleh, this is me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I will get you a specific plan, but in talking in general terms, I think what, what we're looking at programmatically is probably about two years, um, two years of getting back into general fitness. And, you know, people cringe and say, well, but I wanted to do it in 12 weeks. Well, you didn't get here in 12 weeks. Well, I keep getting this text message on my phone that says that I can lose 30 pounds in 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do you cut off a leg in that process like I'm not sure but that I get that text message like twice a week <laughs> oh my god I mean I suppose you could <laughs> that they're sending it to me like how do they know I want to lose weight in the first place who and who is it sending it to you it's you have to click on it to find out and I haven't clicked on it's it. the Russians yeah oh absolutely Putin <laughs> um so we're looking at about a two-year process. But the good part of that is at the end of the two years, a healthy lifestyle, of athletic, healthy body is your new normal. It's no longer this was something that I did extreme things to to hold for a very finite amount of time, right? It's, it's a permanent fix. So I would say we'll work for about the next year on just leaning you out. I don't have a magic ball to see what those numbers are. Off the top of my head, I'm guessing probably around 160 is a healthy athletic lean for you. You know, then, I agree. I think about the last time that I, um, well, this was, this was awful. In sixth grade, we had to weigh publicly oh. in, in the locker room. Um, and uh, I weighed in at like 163. And I was mortified and embarrassed because all my friends in the sixth grade were weighing at like 110 or maybe not even pushing a hundred pounds. But looking back that I was 
almost perfect weight for my frame in the one sixties. I hadn't hit the point where I was, you know, those, that extra, the extra fat and extra pounds Mm -hmm. and stuff. So, um, no, I, I agree. I think probably in the one sixties, which also, you know, looking at those dang BMI charts, it's telling me I need to be like between 125 and, and 135. And that stuff, that would always derail me too, if we're talking about being derailed, because I, I thought I'll never get there. Heck, right. I'll never get there. Why do you even try? And I mean, those, <clears throat> that's one of the biggest problems that, and when you, when people Google how many calories they should eat, right? So okay, you don't need my lecture on the fitness industry, but the fitness industry being the one that you Google, they have one goal in mind and that's to sell you things. So if they tell you, you need to be a lot skinnier and if they tell you you need to eat a lot less, and then they're trying to sell you your product, their product to make that happen, right? That's not real medical advice. Um, And when I say 160, the other thing you have to consider, like we're going to talk about a massive amount of body composition change. So it's not like you're just going to, in the past, you probably just lost fat, right? You lost X amount of fat. There's probably little to no muscle gain. So it's going to be gaining muscle, losing fat, changing your overall body fat percentage. And that's a slow process. You know, one to two pounds a week on average is really what is healthy. Now in the beginning, if somebody has, you know, more weight to lose, the numbers can be a lot bigger in the beginning because there's a lot of inflammation we deal with. And especially when we get past the point of cutting or transitioning a lot of the processed food to whole foods, there is a lot of inflammation let go. So there can be some big weeks with some big numbers, but, you know, in about a year, continuing on this path, chipping away, is going to get you to a nice, lean, healthy weight, added muscle, added fitness, and more importantly, having changed all of the practices and habits and lifestyle scenarios that are triggering, right? It's removing all of these triggering things. And people don't believe me sometimes, but really like the things that you crave right now will no longer be interesting to you at one point. And people roll their eyes at me, but you know, there comes a day where I get that email from the client and they're like, you know, I never, I thought you were full of shit, but right now, like I have no interest in going out binge drinking or whatever. So to do that, what we're going to do is start with decent calories. We'll look at what the calories that you're currently logging and set something that is very comfortable. It's going to be more about transitioning into getting the things you need in your diet in by restricting. There's no need to restrict anything at the moment, but it's going to get the nutrition that your body needs, fruits, vegetables, water, lean proteins, things like that. And that will be the focus as we start and then just getting moving. Another big mistake that people make is the first week, it's like, I'm going to work out twice a day and run six miles a day and do a hundred push-ups, And they last exactly three days on that. Right. So, right. so my, the strategy as we start is to make a program that is so comfortable that you feel almost like you're cheating. And for you, that's probably going to be just move, right? <laughs> Walk around the block, you know, do whatever, whatever is fun to you that is purposeful exercise because it's just building that practice. 
That's all it is. So it'll be very easy. And then the most important thing and the thing I'll harp on 1,000 times is food logging. Food logging is the most critical thing that you can do. Not only from a data perspective, because it's impossible for me to help you if I don't know what's going on. So I have to see the data, see what you're ingesting in order to help. But it's the accountability for you. And you, you know, I know you've been practicing a little bit. You've probably hit plenty of points where you're like, well, fuck it. I'm just not going to log this. And you have to have that internal struggle with yourself of, am I really going to hold myself accountable to this or not? And that is, that's building the mental calluses, right? Every time you go through that and you go through the, you know, fuck it, I'm not going to log today. I don't care. I'm just going to do this. doesn't matter. And then you say, forget it. I got to do this. You're building those mental calluses where it just then becomes easier every time. So the number one priority, frankly, for the next year is going to be food logging like it is your job. Now, long-term, there comes a time when you don't need to, right? When, when things are normal and natural. But right now, food logging is your crutch, not only mentally, but, but data-wise so that I can help. And so I'll get this all on paper and get this to you, and away we go. Awesome. That's Any, a lot. That's a lot. I know. I know. Any thoughts, questions, concerns? Um, I forgot to tell you that I drink a lot of vodka. So, (laughs) 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 so that's important. That's important. Um, alcohol consumption is a tricky one. But it's vegetables, right? Because it's potatoes. So it's not. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not. And, you know, again, it is not uncommon for people to drink on a regular basis. It does absolutely nothing to help you. And I'm not going to pretend like it does. It doesn't. It's not good for you. It's also from a you know, chemistry perspective, your body has to deal with processing the alcohol before it can process any other nutrients. So it keeps you in a nutrient deficit. It encourages your body to store excess fat, just right, all the problems. But, you know, we'll take it one thing at a time. That might be another thing that you have to reckon with a little bit because people get dependent. I'm not saying alcoholic, but get dependent on a nightly drink as a habit. And, you know, that can be another, another thing you just become aware of and something we'll deal with along the way. But, you know, the, the real answer to that is, less to know alcohol is always best. But at this point, I don't want you to try to white knuckle it, right? And do things that suck. Just be aware and do the best you can. Well, that's the best we can do, right? <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's, some, it's something down the road, right? But sometimes it's just getting this stuff out and being told it's not okay is enough to keep that inner voice you know, and being like, well, normally I'd have one, but I don't really care that much. Like, why don't I just, I'll just go to bed early instead. And then it just becomes easier. Yeah. And for me, it honestly is just also part of that perpetual cycle of, you know, constantly being stressed out, not getting enough sleep, had a bad day, 
well, what's going to help me? Well, I'm going to have a drink, you know? So I think just like you said, once everything else comes under control, then I won't need those crutches anymore that are, you know, sabotaging me even further. You'll, yeah, you'll have other tools to deal with the stress cycle, you know, ones that help you not hurt you. Right. So, but we're going to start small. We're going to start basic and just start chipping away. So, all right. I think that's your intake. <laughs> oh man. That was okay. Well, <laughs> all right. Well, thanks so much. And we will, we will check back in about a month okay. and see how things have been going. Sounds perfect. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. All right. We're back. We're back. So that was a really, uh, uh, raw take on somebody's like first foray into this, like, here's all my stuff. Blah. Right. 100%. And so spoiler alert, that's my sister. Right. Um, but we live frankly a country apart. So a lot of the things that you, that I was learning that you were learning was first heard from me. Right. I was, so I was wondering that myself. Mm-hmm. So I was like, how, cause I know you two are pretty close and, and I know you said it was all like news to you, but you know, for our listeners, you know, they're like, yeah. Oh, what's your sister? So how can it be news? Right. Well, but, and as she, I, I think kind of said in the beginning that, um, we are on very different ends of the fitness spectrum and it is kind of, it has been a sore spot in our relationship. So like she said, you're not twins. We are not twins. (laughs) We are not twins. Um, so, you know, frankly, as a coach, because this is what I do for a living and blah, 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 I don't approach these things for her. Right. I don't, we, we don't talk about this kind of stuff. And when we do, you know, the story gets the story I get and I'm not going to press on it. So I was really, um, surprised in a good way of the openness. So here's what I, I think, um, is a good question. How did she come to you and want to do this? So great. How did that happen? Great question. We started our empowerment series Mm -hmm. and she started listening to our clients talk about their journey, real people saying, you know, like here were all the things I had going on and here were my obstacles and da, da, da. And here's where I ended up. And she listened to that series on her own right? We don't talk, I, we don't talk about any of this kind of stuff. Just like she doesn't talk to me about her job. I mean, that's just not. And she called me out of the blue on, I believe New Year's Eve. No, I'm lying. Uh, Christmas Eve or right before Christmas phoned me. And you know, anytime my phone rings, I assume somebody died. So I was like, like, why why call me when you can send a text message? What the fuck is the matter with you? Who died? What's happening? And she just said, no, listen, I was on a walk with my dog. And she said, listen, I have something important to talk to you about. I don't know how this is going to go over. I've been listening to the empowerment series and I want to do this. And I know she's like, and I know you're rolling your eyes right now because you've heard this out of me a thousand times, but I'm ready. I want to do it. I can do this. I have to do this, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I immediately was like, okay, got it. A, I can't be your coach. B, I can't be involved in this. And see, this is my job right? So this isn't it's not a, charity a play case. thing for me. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, I was, I was very open about those things. And, and, you know, I said, let's table it for a week. And if you still feel this way in a week, let's talk details. And frankly, didn't expect to hear back from her in a week, but I did. 
And she was very serious about it. And, you know, I kept kind of putting hurdles in place, right? I said, well, then I need this application, which usually washes people out <laughs> right there. Right. She came back with a very elaborate application and it was like, okay, but we got to do this. I need two weeks of food logging. No shit. And I got some no shit food logging. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, you know what? She's serious about this. And then that's when I approached you about how about this concept? Um, so that's, that's how that came about. Yeah. I thought, I mean, I, I thought it was all really enlightening. Of course. Um, I, uh, I cringed at the no water. I was like, oh, yeah. you know, cause I know I've been drinking like 2000 gallons of water a day right. forever. So it is, it lost on me how people mm. don't drink water. As Cause well. I'm just like, I literally would die if I didn't drink water all day. I feel like it. Right. So, but I also know that there are, so it's like, it's a good reality right. check for me that like, oh shit, like that's a thing. Like, you know, how, what, how, but, um, so I thought, you know, uh, you know, that's always my thing. I'm right. just like, why don't you drink water? It's the easiest thing ever. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I, I, honestly, that was like the, the simplest thing, but I thought, you know, it was really cool. She was really super honest. Yeah. I don't know your sister at all. Right. Um, never met her. We're friends on Facebook now. I've never met her. Really? Mm -mm. No. I've only ever met your mom once. And that was when she came to visit you when we used to live in Severn. Oh my God. Like 20 years ago. Yeah. You haven't like missed much. A hundred million. Nothing's years changed. Ago. It's all yeah. the same. I was don't literally worry about the only time I ever met your mom. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I've never met, I've never met your sister. Um, but what were your big, so what were your like biggest points with her in the take, in the intake that you you know, wanted the, to highlight for people. The biggest, the biggest takeaway for me initially was that a she recognized her own bullshit, which was a huge thing for me, right? And obviously, I have some insight into it. Where if you have a client you don't know, you don't have the insight. But it's also clear when things are bullshit, and things kind of go one of two ways. Either you have a client that says, "Look, I know I'm full of shit, and it's time to change," or you have a client who's going to try to convince you that their shit is reality. Right. And there's not a lot you can do with that. Right. And frankly, I thought that's what I was going to be facing. Not the case. You thought at it all. was still going to be more excuses, like saying she wants to change, but doesn't really want to change. Yeah. Or, or trying to convince somebody you're not that busy or trying to convince somebody like that's not that important or trying to convince somebody you're going to die. If you keep doing this, she was already there, which right. is huge, right? right? It's huge. I didn't have to convince her why, or what? So I was really happy and impressed with that. I mean, it definitely sounded like, and from talking to you over the years, uh, you know, the mm -hmm. little bits and pieces, you know, you talk about with your sister, I mean, definitely listening to her talk about um, all of that was, I, you know, like eye opening for me. Um, I think the most profound thing I, I got out of it that you had her work on, like, mm -hmm. I loved that you weren't like, I could, I'm not, what would be the point of me throwing calories at you? What would be mm -hmm. the point of me telling you to do these macros? Like, that's not your problem. And you've mm -hmm. talked about that you right. know, for a long time. Like there are, we've talked about this in a podcast, like training and we, there's a whole podcast on when training and nutrition isn't the answer, right? right. Like it, that's not the answer. Right. She needs life skills, right? Yeah. Like it's yeah. just like, um, and so a couple of things, the one that she is a behavioral teacher right right like, so she under she talks very intelligently about right. these things she knows these right. things, right so this is you know and this is for other people listening right we talk all the time that there is the, there is this huge gap between knowing and doing mm -hmm. 
it, there is no um, shortcoming of information out there, right? There's no shortcoming of really educated people that know what they should do. I work with a doctor mm-hmm. right. who is now in biotech. Right. Who I have to tell him to drink water, stop drinking alcohol, <clears throat> um, and you know, yeah. basically get your shit together. He's a doctor and he's 55. He's wealthy and he works in biotech. Right. This is not a dumb man. Right. Right. Um, so there's a big gap in knowing and doing. So, so it's, it's not something to feel bad about. No. Right. Because I think people beat themselves up over like, I know I should, I know I should, I know I should do better. I know I should do this. Fuck knowing. Right. right? It's having that plan. Right. Right. The plan is, is the gap between knowing. Yeah. And doing. So, so I thought that was really profound of her. And I think it's important for listeners to understand like, it's not a dumb girl. Right. No, she, she, and she's educated in the behavioral aspects of things, but she can't change her own behavior. So she needs some guidance there. Um, the other thing, I think my favorite thing you had her do besides drink water, because you know, that's always my thing. Um, I'm going to get everybody got mugs that says drink your fucking water. Um, a water bottle that just says drink your fucking water. That's what I'm going to do. Anyway, it was, you uncovered the fact that she is literally taking on literally bringing, you know, she's adopting more people into her life, right. quite literally, in order to have excuses for not taking care of herself, right? right. It's the Mother Teresa Martyr Syndrome yep, that we came that we up have with. Just coined. Uh, we just coined the Mother Teresa Martyr Syndrome. And it's common in women in particular. Very it common. is incredibly common. Well, the human giver the human syndrome. human giver syndrome from the burnout. And gone a little, even a little further awry. Right. But, but, you know, I thought that was really profound and you made her commit to right. a year of not committing to anything. Well, because that's the reality, right? So I kind of envision, I've come up with this analogy probably because of where I live in my life of, you know, imagine a kid's room with shit everywhere, right? Just fucking toys and bullshit and you can't see the floor. You can't get to the bed, right? Right now, all I need to do is clear a path to get to the bed, right? We don't need to color coordinate the Legos right now. That's too much. What's important now? What's important? Exactly right. Win. The win, win acronym. Yep. So we'll start to introduce yep. that now. And when, and, and when, right now, I need to get your ass in the bed. And the only way to get yep. your ass in the bed is to clear a path from the door to the bed. That's it. That's so it. we're just going to sweep shit that's aside, all we do. clear the path. That's what's important yep. right now. Get you in the bed so you can get some sleep. Yeah. Right. And when you start <laughs> saying, yeah, but you know, I need to, uh, you know, size coordinate my beanie boo collection and what about the rubber bands and uh, no 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 that's clutter that's not important we can't we can't right it's literal it's literal clutter so and that was really my strategy you're telling me the number one thing that's keeping you from doing what you want to do is your time commitments to other things than this then we have to put a boundary in place right and it's probably going to feel weird to you because that has been your safety net right but we can't if you're telling me that is going to preclude you from doing that. this, then we had to put a boundary in place to remove. Even though you think it's a good thing, it is a bad thing. Right. For because you. Because it is hindering her ability to do yep. things for herself. Right. right. And I have had experience with this with other people, with other clients, other people in my life where it's just like, you know, busy, 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 busy. Let me adopt more kids. Let me yeah. take on more projects. Let I'm me get another job. I'm going to go back Literally, to school. Let I'm me gonna... do a hundred mm-hmm. things other than focus on myself. Yep. So it is, you know, immediate again, the mother Teresa martyr, you know, human giver syndrome, but it's also giving you shelter from having yep. to do the really hard because it's easy 
for some people to take on another kid, another project, another, you know, whatever mm-hmm. to help other people. It's not easy to work on your own shit. Cause that shit is really fucking hard. Super hard. And I, I do love the acronym and to kind of like expand on that. Right. So if we talk about this, like what's important now context, right? Mm-hmm. So if what's important now is you need to sleep, Right. Um, make, right. Yeah. And the only way that, right. and you're like, but I can't get to the bed. Right. Okay. Well, like you said, well then it's not about like stacking and or- organizing and throwing things away or any of mm-hmm. that. Right. We certainly don't want to add more toys to the floor. Right. Right. We need right. to figure out how to get your ass in bed. Right. right. So we're just going to, honestly, we're just going to create a, the, the right. We're going to kick toys to the side. Yep. We're put up a little, build a little path. Yep. That's the boundaries. And you're going to walk your ass and you're going to get in the bed. And that's it. And you're just going to get in the bed. That's what we're trying to do. That's all we're doing. And then maybe now that you're able to like walk, you can see, see a little clearly. Now you can get in the bed every night. Mm-hmm. So then maybe the next step is, you know, how about we just like pick through this and trash. Let's just trash it. Let's just get right. rid of shit we don't need. So, right. so we haven't added anything to it. We've just sort of cleared out some of the clutter. We've created some boundaries and now we can start maybe trashing some shit that we don't right. need. We can otherwise. move right. on to the next step. Right. So, yeah. So I really like that analogy. I think I thought that was really, I thought that was really good. Um, I did enjoy at, at, that she decided at the very end to add what might've been one of the most important, <laughs> one of the most important things to say is, oh, and I forgot to say, I drink a lot of vodka. Yeah, I'm like, um, Okay. <laughs> Um, but God, how many clients have I worked with that it's like that just didn't seem like an important piece of information, or, right? Or or they have some like chronic health condition. Right, like, right. how did you forget to tell me you're on this drug, or how did you forget to tell me that you have this like thing? Right. I was just like, wait, what? How? So, but it, it it but it also goes to show again the difference between knowing and doing and understanding what really impacts what's. Or health, right? Yeah. Or, or yeah. Um, it may have just taken her that long for that to be something mm-hmm. she could say yeah. out loud. Right? I, I think that's part of it too, right? Because it's it's such a coping mechanism, mm-hmm. an unhealthy coping mechanism. And again, that's another security blanket, not saying she has an alcohol problem, but it was like, well, it's a lot easier to come home, have a stiff cocktail, a bag of gummy bears and watch four hours of Netflix than figuring out how everything's all fucked up. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it does sometimes take take time to just recognize it, right? And to process that that's something that that you know that mm-hmm. might be important to recognize. Was was there anything else that you like really wanted to highlight for for listeners? No, I'm just really excited to get going. So you guys know who she is. You know mm-hmm. where we're starting. She's very open about you know where where we're going. I we set some clear goals about long term long term scale goals, but really those are just a reflection of the lifestyle changes. That's the actual work. The scale goals are the payoff from the actual work. Sure. Um, and we're, we're moving along. So yeah. we will we'll do the, the next live check-in. check-in. Yeah. So how's this going to work? So just like, um, logistically, so you're going to do these, uh, video, uh, check-ins once a month, right? So in between, we'll have three to four weeks of progress as we Mm -hmm. go through this series, right? So she is in our regular coaching program where she checks in weekly. She gets a program change every week. You know, everything, absolutely normal. She is in our normal coaching program. What you guys are just seeing is the once a month month. recorded 
live in person, you know, if we were in person and that's what every client gets who's in our more advanced programs once a month, face, not Facebook, zoom or live Mm check-in. So the only difference is she has agreed to record Record it and share it with everybody. Yeah. So that, so just for reference, so people know there will be three to four weeks in between each one of these Mm -hmm. uh, sessions. So, so, you know, so that we don't get to like one of the check-ins and she lost like 15 pounds and somebody mm-hmm. thinks they're going to lose 15 pounds in a week. No. So we're, we're talking three to four weeks of progress. No, I mean, yeah, this is going to be very real, right? Yeah. The ups, the downs, yeah. the sideways, all of it. Yeah. So I'm excited. All right. We'll see you guys at the next one. All right. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Coaching and Cocktails, the podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you like to stream your favorites. Bye.